You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. And uh, good afternoon. It's really great to see you all here today. And if you are here with a relative or a friend, or, or you're a relative or a friend of someone who's been baptized, a warm welcome to you again. We hope you've felt at home and enjoyed the service so far. And it's been a great service, hasn't it, so far? It's been really impactful. I've been really encouraged. And I hope you've been encouraged as well by the testimonies today. And it is my pleasure now to just share a few things now from the Word of God with you. You know what I love about the testimonies that we've heard today is how different and unique they all were. How everyone in life sets out on a journey or starts a journey and we end up to where we are today. God, our stories bring us to a place where we find ourselves today. And what I really was encouraged with from these testimonies that we heard is that regardless of how things started out, what has been great to hear is that on that path, Jesus has come in and met people on the way. Yeah. That Jesus has encountered people on the path or on the road that they were on in life and has completely changed lives, which is really great to see. Some of us were once on a road which we may have accepted as the norm or just the, 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 the way of life that we thought was mapped out for us. But what I love is that when we encounter Jesus, we encounter him and then there is a complete change in direction. God changes what happens in our lives when we encounter him. And this is really encouraging for us to hear all the time and hear other people's testimonies of how God has moved in their lives. And today I want to talk a little bit more about that. This idea that God can change the direction of our lives if we let him. That God can move and break into our lives and change the direction of our lives. And if you have a Bible with you, why don't you please turn with me to Acts chapter 9. I'm going to read some verses from there. And to give you a little bit of a background as to where we find ourselves in Acts 9, just to let you know what's happened. So Jesus has died on the cross, but then amazingly he has been raised from the dead three days later. And before he's ascended into heaven, what's happened is he's empowered his disciples. He sent out his disciples to go and spread the news about him. And then what we get is this, from the small disciples, the birthing of the church, the small disciples uh, that, that were together from the beginning start there. And then what we see as you read through the book of Acts is actually the church starts to grow. But it doesn't just grow, it grows substantially. This is around 2,000 years ago, and it grows to an amazing level. There's a new level of growth that we see in the church when we get to around Acts 9. And that sounds all good and well, but at the same time, we also have to acknowledge when you read the chapters in Acts, the church is also experiencing some very serious persecution. Persecuted by the religious elite at the time who opposed the message of Christ and all that believe in him. And some of the church members we read were even thrown into prison. They were flogged. And we come across a man involved in these persecutions who he seems to be on a campaign to completely destroy the church. It seems like this is at the forefront of his mind. He wants to stop the church. He is not, he is not for the Christian faith, to say the least. And his name was Saul. And he was a Jew, a Pharisee, meaning he was highly regarded among the Jewish elite, the Jewish people. He was well-versed in the Jewish scriptures. So therefore, he's got a great reputation at the time in terms of the sect that he belonged to. And to give you an idea of this man's reputation, we read in the Bible that Saul was a man feared by the church. He consented to the killing of Christians. He pursued Christians in different cities, and he also beat and imprisoned them. 
He is described as someone who wreaked havoc on the church. And you wouldn't be wrong in thinking that maybe this man was a lost cause. But when we, as we read these verses in a moment, what is amazing is that we read in the Bible that we see this man who was, who was once out to destroy the church has an encounter with Jesus and his life is completely transformed and changed, which is really encouraging. And it actually is an amazing change and turn of events. And the title of my message today is, what road are you on? What road are you on? And as I read these verses, it will become a little bit more clear as to why I'm going to keep repeating that question to you as I go through this message today. So the, the words are going to come on the screen, and I'll read for us. So it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Wow, and this is the word of the Lord, and we can say... Thanks be to God. Now, a lot to take in there. But what is amazing is that if you took the first verse and the last verse of the passage I read, you would think, wow, what has just happened there? One minute, Saul is out breathing out murderous threats, we're told, to the church. And then by the end of it, we're told that he's preaching the message of Jesus Christ. And you would be not wrong to think, what has happened to this man? Well, what I find amazing today is how there was such an amazing turn of events in this man's life. And I want to ask you the question that I asked earlier is, What road are you on? What road are you on and where is your road leading? Where is it leading you in life today? It's a question that I think we, some of us may need to ask ourselves. You know, it occurred to me that as Saul was traveling on the road to Damascus, he was on a road or path in life which he thought was right for him. It was a path which he believed was what he should be living for. It was something that he was probably born into, what we told he was born into. It was a path in life that was marked out for him. And that is the way that he started to live his life. But ultimately, when you read the word, 
when you read the Bible, it's clear that the path he was on was leading to destruction. When I say destruction, it was leading to the destruction of Christians, of other people. It was leading to the destruction of people, causing them harm, causing them suffering. But he didn't think too much about that at the time because he believed that that was the path that he was supposed to be on. You know, and at times, maybe this might relate to you, I don't know, but we can be on a road or a path in life which is destructive, but not even realize it. It can be destructive to other people. It can sometimes be even self-destructive, destructive to ourselves. But we can't see it at the time. We can't see that that's what's happening. We can't always control the road we started off in in life. However, I believe that Jesus Christ can change the final destination. He can change the final destination of the road that you are on Saul arrived at Damascus, and that was the plan. He meant to go to Damascus, but amazingly, his intention and his heart on the way there changed. Something happened dramatically. Something radical happened, which changed the way that he entered Damascus and what he wanted to do when he got there as well. I think he realized at some point, as we've read, that the course he was on was not the right course, and Jesus did something about that. Now, it doesn't matter how bad or destructive your life or your road might be. Now, I want to say today, I believe Jesus Christ can break into your world and he can change the direction of your life. And he can set you on a different path, a better path in life. I really believe that. I've lived that myself and I believe that this could be a, a word for someone here today who needs to hear that. And there are a few things I'm just going to draw from this passage today which might make you think about at least the path or the road in life that you're on today. And whether you need to respond and whether you need Jesus to help you change the road you're on or change the direction of the road that you're on today and the course of life that you're on with today. And the first thing I want to share with you is this. Jesus calls us by name. Jesus calls us by name. What strikes me from this text is that it was actually Jesus who met Saul. It was Jesus who approached Saul. He went to Saul and called out to him on the road that he was on. And I do find that amazing. And I think, why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus offer someone like Saul an alternative path when he's out trying to destroy his people, his church? Why would, why would Jesus want to do that? And the only answer we have for this is that God shows us grace through Jesus Christ. He shows us amazing grace through his son, Jesus Christ. We've just sang about that today, that his grace is so amazing. It changes lives. It transforms us. What I love about the gospel message, and I think what other people get to grasp of the gospel message when they give their life to Jesus, is that Jesus doesn't just call people when they've got things sorted, but actually Jesus calls out to people when they've actually got nothing sorted, when they haven't got it all together. He offers them an alternative path in the middle of our destruction, in the middle of the road that we're on, even the middle of what we're doing, Jesus can meet us right there. Jesus can meet us there in the middle of that, and he doesn't ask us to have got anything right beforehand, but he just wants to know that we're willing to accept him. Or as Saul experienced in the middle of his murderous campaign, that's when he met him, in the middle of what he was doing. A well-known verse or verses in the Bible is John 3, 16 to 17, which says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And I think it's amazing that God who initiated this plan, when you read it in the, in the context of what it says there in John 3, 16 to 17, it's, it, show, it shows you that God took the step. God initiated this saving plan. Yeah, he took the step to reach out to us. He calls out to us. He extends his hand to us. It's his saving plan. He reaches out to us. No matter where we find ourselves in lives, he reaches out to us. And he calls out to us even today. And I believe he's calling out to some people maybe personally right now. He may be calling out to you, calling out your name. He wants you to know that he's aware of you and that he loves you and that he wants to offer you an alternative road, an alternative path with him. Jesus makes it personal. He calls your name because he wants to know you personally. This isn't a Jesus who just wants a mass of followers. He wants to know his followers. He wants to know them and he wants to have a relationship with you and he's offering you that today. God's grace is described in a good way, well, in a way that we could describe it is his undeserved favor. Jesus died on the cross and God welcomes those who were once far away because his death pays for our sin. Not through anything that we have done, but through his grace, just through everything he has done for us. He offers us salvation today. And I thank God that I found grace just under five years ago. Myself, I found that salvation. Yeah, I was on a road. I was on a path of destruction just under five years ago. I wasn't a Christian. I was walking in the way that I thought was right for me. I was also dabbling in other belief systems, other religion as well. And I wasn't happy. I was depressed. I was down. I was drinking regularly. I was, I was gambling. And to be honest, I was just on a bit of a dark road. It wasn't a great road. You know, I was quite grumpy a lot of the time. Some people might say I still am, but I don't think I am. No, someone at the front just said, no, I feel really assured. No, that's good. <laughs> but my life was taking a direction that I really, really didn't expect it to. And believe it or not, this is quite interesting, I, I didn't actually like preachers very much. I remember going, being invited to go and see someone preach about seven years ago at a church. No one here, by the way. Um, and as I got there, he was talking. I remember thinking, this guy doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. Preachers don't have a clue what they're talking about when they get up on that platform. I remember thinking that and believing that. And I walked away thinking, you know, they, they, they think they've got it all sorted. They give people advice, but then, you know, we're still left in our mess. And I, I had that thought in my mind. I kept believing that myself. I was cold to the gospel message. On the surface, I looked okay. But internally, there was turmoil. And despite all that, despite how I was living, despite the road that I found myself on, amazingly, on the 1st of January, 2013, I come in you know, from a drinking session of New Year's Eve, and Jesus met me where I was. Now, there wasn't lights coming down from heaven like Saul. And Jesus didn't appear to me and say, Jonathan, Jonathan, move to the light. It wasn't as dramatic as that. It wasn't as eventful, but it was in no way less significant. I knew I needed help. I knew I needed something. And I, I called out to Jesus, and he was already there waiting for me. He was, he was there. It was as if I had come home. 
I didn't have it all together. I was still struggling with things, but he welcomed me all the same because his grace is so amazing. And one thing I've learned in this life so far is this. Even when we pursue other things, Jesus continues to pursue us. God continues to call out to us in our state and where we find ourselves in. And even as Christians, we can sometimes find ourselves on a path we didn't intend to be on. But I want to encourage you and say, God still loves you. He's still extending his hand towards you. He still calls out to you. He still longs for you to know him and to keep knowing him. And as I said, we might not all have a Damascus Road experience like Saul. We might not see Jesus in the flesh and see a white robe and bright lights. But I believe that God in his own way, he can shine his amazing light on the dark road that we're on and completely change the direction of our lives and bring us into something so much better. And I really believe he can do that. And it's personal and he'll reveal himself in his own way to you. But I believe he can do that today. Now, what I love about the testimonies we've heard today is that they're so very different. Everyone has testified of their own unique encounter with Jesus Christ. And it's been really encouraging to hear. It's been really encouraging to hear how Jesus has touched lives. He's offered them an alternative path. And I'll ask you, what road are you on today? What road are you on? Another thing I also want to encourage you as well, don't, don't ever write yourself or people off. Don't ever write yourself off. Don't ever think to yourself, you know what, but Jonathan, it's good for you, you can say all this. Yeah, great, it sounds good, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know the sin or the stuff that I've got involved in. You don't know how bad it's got. And it's right, I don't know, but I still believe that when you look at this passage here, Saul, who was breathing out murderous threats against the church, he looked like he was a lost cause, but Jesus still met him all the same. He was trying to destroy the church, not build it up. He was going against Jesus, but Jesus still met him. And I want to say that there's still hope for you today. There's still a savior that loves you and cares for you, no matter how bad things have got. On that road, Jesus can meet you. You know, Saul, who would later be renamed Paul, I haven't got time to go into that now, but he would write these words in the Bible, which are so amazing. He refers to himself as the worst of all sinners. This is what he says, referring to himself. He says, he was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, talking about himself, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Coming from a man himself who referred to himself as the worst sinner, or one of the worst ever sinners, he could say this, that it was a demonstration of what Christ can do through other people as well and for other people. A man of God once said this, there is more grace in Jesus than there is sin in you. There is more grace in Jesus than there is sin in you. And on whatever road you are on today, I believe Jesus can meet you where you're at. And he calls out to you today. He's calling out to you today. My second point that I want to share with you is Jesus calls us for a response. Jesus calls us for a response. You know, it's great that God, that Jesus meets people on your destruction or your destructive road or the road that you're on you know, whatever road that you find yourself on. It's great that Jesus meets us there and shows us grace. But we have to understand that grace requires a response. Grace should then draw out a response from us. Now, Saul not only heard the call, he responded to it as well. Jesus called out to him on his journey, which completely changed the way it ended. 
But in the process, Saul had to submit. He had to submit and he had to surrender to Jesus. He had to give his life to Jesus. So the five people who have been baptized today by going in that pool and being dunked in the water, they're making a demonstration that they understand that the gospel requires a response. It requires us to say that I accept Jesus and I want to do away with my old way of life and live a new life with Christ. To accept Jesus and live a new life with him. We read in the passage that we've just read that Saul was baptized, which therefore that means that he understood that he had to change his ways. So it was referred, referred to there in some of the testimonies, repentance. Repentance means to literally do a 180 degree turn, to say once I was living this way, I was going this way in life, but since encountering Jesus, I repent and I turn completely the other way and then I live a life for him. And that's what, that's what happened in Saul's life. We see that. That's what, he, that's what he'd come to know. That was the truth for him that he had to respond to the gospel and do away with an old way of life or an old way of living. I want to say this as well because I think it's important that we acknowledge this. Turning your back on the road that you're on or the life that you once lived, it isn't easy. I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy. It isn't easy. It's difficult. There are still things of that old life which are still vying for our attention. Things of the old life that are still trying to pull us in and draw us back to that old way. That want us to, to get involved in what we were in before. You know, for me, when I gave my life to Jesus on that, on that day, on the 1st of January 2013, as I said, I didn't have it all together. But I knew that the life I was living was not consistent with what I'd just done now that I now had accepted Jesus. And what that meant for me is that something had to change. And I had to be intentional about that. And I made some life choices. I had to be intentional about making some life decisions that would change the course of where I was going. I had to respond to Jesus. I stopped drinking because I, for me, drinking was a bit of a problem for me at the time. And I haven't drank ever since that day. Isn't that amazing? Because that is the power of what the gospel does. Jesus draws out a response from us which makes us realize we can do it and we can get free of these things that are holding us back. I stopped gambling and I had to also distance myself from certain friends and activities I was getting involved in because it wasn't good for me. It wasn't easy, church. I want you to understand, it wasn't easy. It was difficult. It was tiring. It was tiring. I had people in my family and friends saying, well, you know, surely you're going to come back and do what you're doing. This is just a phase, but it wasn't a phase. Jesus had impacted me and met me where I was. And then my life was completely transformed, but I had to be intentional. I had to respond to this message. I had to respond in my own life. And my life would be a testimony to that Jesus, to the fact that I had met Jesus where I was at and that things had changed from that point onwards. Saul, he had to give up his reputation. I find it amazing. This man who was a relig part of the religious elite, a Pharisee, he had to give up his reputation and respect and all that he believed in and lived for. And he had to turn away from that and live a life for Jesus. Wow, what a response. What a change. You know, I've been so impacted today, and I'm sure you have been impacted by Roshat's testimony. You know, amazingly, you know, his, his road or path was marked out for him probably. From Kurdistan, Iraq, he lived as a Muslim. He was brought up as a, as a Muslim. People, his family and friends are Muslim. But six or seven weeks ago now, he encountered Jesus and he responded that is so amazing. What a response. Even though his friends back home might not agree with it, even though his family back home wouldn't agree with it, he's took a step and he's given his life to Jesus Christ. What a response. I want to say, church, I believe no one is beyond the reach of Jesus. Everyone can 
meet Jesus. Everyone can encounter him. And ultimately, we have to ask ourselves, maybe you have to ask yourself today, if I don't respond, what could that mean for me? What could that mean for my life if I don't respond? Where, where could this current path lead to? Where is it going? Where am I going on this path? What road are you on? And thirdly, Jesus calls us to a purpose. And when we respond to Jesus and make a decision to live for him, he then gives us a purpose. You know, Saul moved from persecutor to preacher. And that wouldn't have happened unless he responded to Jesus and gave his life to Jesus. He would never have known what the call was over his life. He would never have known what purpose God had for him. See, when we respond to Jesus, Jesus puts us on a road which is more meaningful. He gives us a sense of purpose. Saul would amazingly later rename Paul, write these words in Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, grace is amazing, yes, because it meets us where we're at and it calls, us out response, it calls a response from us and it calls us to repent. But also what grace does is that it brings us into something. It brings us into the body of Christ. It brings us into a purpose. See, yes, we're in need of a savior. Grace does that. Grace is us receiving that saving grace from God. But also, even though we have a need, we also have to understand that we have a purpose in God as well. We have a God-given purpose, a mandate and a mission that he's given us. Even in the testimonies we've heard today, it's been very clear that's come through in some way that that those who have got baptized, they've taken this step, they've given their life to Jesus, they know that they now live a new life in him, but they also, I think, are aware that they now have a new purpose, a new mission to live by. Teo said in his testimony that he believes God has a plan for his life, and I believe that as well. Elliot said that Jesus is the definer. And he is, he defines our life. You know, Saul was redefined and repurposed by Jesus. The voice of Saul, which was once breathing out murderous threats to the church, is then used as a voice to preach the gospel. It's changed. Something has completely changed in this man's life. Jesus has given him a new mandate on this new journey that he has. And it would be argued that maybe Saul was probably one of the most influential men that Jesus used to build his church. And this, this is encouraging for us as well, church. This has to encourage us. You know, we have to pray. I, I believe we have to be intentional about this. We have to pray for conversions like Saul, believing that those who we think are far off, and don't write them off, let's keep praying for them. Let's believe that God can still reach out to them. Let's not give up praying for people like this. Let's believe that Saul-like encounters can happen even today. Let's believe that God can meet people where they're at and change their life. That when they have a revelation, they'll then also have a transformation as well. That they'll be transformed by God. Sometimes as we can also allow other things to define us though in life, can't we? You know, I don't know what your road has been like, what journey you've been on, what destruction you've been part of or involved in, whether it be through your own fault or anybody else's. 
But sometimes we can allow those things of our upbringing to define us. We can allow those things in our life to hold us back, that our past or some things that maybe people have said over us to, to be what, what we think give us our purpose or maybe even make us believe that we don't even have a purpose. And these can hold you back. These things can sometimes hold you back. But I believe that Jesus calls us into something much better than that. He gives us a different plan. Your past shouldn't hold you back. I feel like I need to say that to someone today. Your past should not hold you back. Saul's past didn't hold him back. He was living for one thing, completely opposite to what he went into later on, but it didn't hold him back from what God had for him. You know, your start doesn't have to determine how you will finish. Your start doesn't have to determine how you will finish. And I want you to know as well that your life didn't happen by chance. It wasn't just a fluke or some, some good theory that, that people sometimes come up with, but actually, I believe that God has a purpose for every single person. Your life is significant. You were created to make a difference for God. You were created to have a purpose. You were created to bring his kingdom. You were created to have a sense of worth, and that's what Jesus gives us today. And God has a plan. There's a reason why you exist. And I believe I'm speaking to someone to here today, or maybe a few people here, when I say, it's time to change roads. Or it's time to look at the road that you're on. It's time to discover the reason why you were created. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what that future will hold, but if you take a step of faith today, I believe that God will reveal that in time to you. And can I invite the band up, please? Thank you. So as I draw to a close, I'm going to ask the question again. What road are you on? What road are you on? You may be here today and you may feel absolutely fine and you may say, I don't need to change anything today. There's nothing in my life that needs to change. But I will just ask you this as well. Ask yourself, do you know where that road leads? And as time moves on, you'll never be able to escape that question. Do you really know where you're going to be going on that road? Have you thought about that question? Jesus offers eternal life and life to the full. And those of us who have accepted Jesus, we know where our road leads to. And as Jesus calls out today, I believe he may be calling out to you to respond as he calls your name. And will you accept that you are in need of a saviour? If you've messed up, that's okay. Because God's grace is there for you today. But this moment could be the start of a new journey for you. It could be the beginning of your destiny. And I want to give you the chance to respond today. Why don't we all bow our heads together? If you are here and you want to, you want to give your life to Jesus, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus before, but something today has resonated with you. You've started to look at the road that you're on and started to assess where you are. I want to encourage you to take a step of faith today to give your life to Jesus. And I want to lead you in a prayer today as well. And if that's you, and if you know without everyone's heads bowed, that you know you want to give your life to Jesus and accept him today and start on a new path or road, I want you to just raise your hand so I can see it right now. Thank you, great. 
Thank you. You can put your hands down. That's great. Thank you for that. And as our heads are still bowed, I'm going to lead those who have responded to this message in a prayer. And I think it'll be good of it. With it, it'll be good for us as church family to to also pray this prayer with them. So as I say the words, repeat after me. But let's all say it together for those who have took this brave step to give their life to Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for not giving up on me. I invite you into my life. I'm sorry for my sin. And I ask for your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And thank you for your grace. Help me to live a new life for you from this day forward. Amen. Amen. Amen.